Hello and welcome back to Not Your Average, the podcast with Julia Young from KoreanAmericanStory.org. In today's episode, we go back to 2017, when Julie sat down with hip-hop artist Hee Sun Lee. Growing up adopted and struggling with her identity, coupled with her love of Lauryn Hill and Will Smith, led Hee Sun to write about what she went through through music. Her latest EP, Flying Cars, dropped this past March 2019, available for digital download and streaming as well. Give it a listen. Now, on to Julie. Hey everyone, it's Julie Young for Korean American Story and Not Your Average. Today I am sitting down with Hee Sun Lee. Yes. Happy to have you. Happy to be here, thank you. I'm so excited to finally yes. sit down with you. I know, this has been waiting. a long time coming. Wait, I know wait. we have some mutual friends, but yes. it's actually our first time meeting. Yeah, so I'm happy to have you here. Yeah. And I told you earlier, mm-hmm. this is a big honor because you are my first adoptee guest. I actually am very shocked. <laughs> the amount of people that you get to talk to, you know, so I'm very honored. Well, I'm happy to have you here. So start, like, start from the beginning. I mean, I know some of it, but tell me, you were born in Korea. Yes, so 1983, I'm really taking you to the beginning, but uh, 1983, I was born in Seoul, Korea. Obviously don't remember anything about being there. Um, And then I was in foster care for about four months. I read on paperwork that um, my parents just kind of gave me up right after I was born. So I don't have any recollection of them at all. Um, Don't even remember my foster mother. And then um, I came to Staten Island, New York, four months later. Been living there, I'm still there. Um, probably gonna stay there forever, who knows. But yeah, that's pretty much my whole story is that I've always just been in New York, you know, in Staten Island especially, so. But you were adopted by a Chinese American family. Yes, so they were actually, um, my parents are both from Brooklyn. And well, actually my dad's from Manhattan. So they were born here mm. and I was born in Korea. So it's actually, you know, it's usually the other way around. Mm-hmm. So they speak perfect English. Um, my dad can't even speak any Chinese. It's actually very funny when they hear them that you would never think that they're Asian. Right. When you hear right. them. So, right. Yeah. So do you know why they decided to adopt? Yeah. Well, my mom tried to have kids. She had some, you know, issues with that. But uh, yeah, they were never ever ever able to have their own. So my mom wanted to, you know, just have an, at least an Asian. Baby. So I think they tried in China and then they, I think, went over to Korea mm. after that. So, mm. Interesting. Yeah. And you also have a brother? Yes. So he's adopted as well from Korea, but we're not blood related. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, his story is a little different from mine, but yeah. Is he younger? Two years older. Oh, two years yeah. older. Okay. So he was already here when you he arrived. Was. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah. And so. what was that like growing up with an adopted brother? It was good, you know, I, I don't remember when my mom ever told me I was adopted, so um, it was probably like a passing thought. I was like, all right, I'm adopted, you know? At that time when you're little, you don't really think much of it. Never really looked at myself like, oh, you're an adoptee, you know? These are your parents, but they're really not your parents. Or this is your brother, but he's really not your brother. I didn't really look at it like that. I guess when you get older, you kind of put two and two together, but it was fine, you know? I mean, especially, I had the privilege, all of my siblings and parents kind of look like me because we're all Asian. So, you know, it didn't really affect me in Mm -hmm. that type of way Mm because we all look similar, so. And what was the neighborhood makeup like that you lived in? It was predominantly white. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's suburban area, Staten Island. And um, just like you were telling me a little bit about your your story, my uh, schools were mainly Mm -hmm. maybe like two or three Asian kids. And um, so I remember always sitting near the Lees and the, you know, the same last name, so. But uh, I was always friends with the majority of white kids mm-hmm, growing mm-hmm. up, just because that's where they usually, they were all always there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's talk about your name. So he Sun Lee, you mm-hmm. said, was given... Go my, ahead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my foster mother. 
she named me in the foster home. She named me Hisan. Uh, my birth, sur- what, surname, your last, last name? Last name. Yeah, yes. right. We'll go with that, yeah. yeah. So Kill is my real, that's that's what they say, at least on my paperwork. That's my real last name. And then my foster mother gave me Hisan. And then when I came to the States and my adoptive, I got adopted, it changed to uh, Cynthia Lee. So went from Kill to Lee. And then you got married and it became... That went to cheat. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, not hard transitions, but, you know. Oh, I love it. But yeah. is there a name that you identify with most? Um, you know, obviously, growing up, it was always Cindy just because that was just my name. But once I started getting into music and I used Hisan as my my artist name, I I feel like I, I kind of connect to that a little bit more just because... It's everything that I feel I am. And Hee-sun is my Korean name, but Lee is my Chinese. So not to confuse people more, Lee can be Chinese or Korean. Right. But my Lee is actually Chinese because I identify that with my Chinese side. And Hee-sun is the Korean side. So I kind of put them together and let mm-hmm. people know that this is who I am mm-hmm. as a whole. So um, it's my story behind Hee-sun Lee. But I think as Hee-sun, I like using that because it's what brings me back to Korea, brings me back to who I am as a Korean. And I never really had that growing up. So I kind of made myself have it mm-hmm. by re, re-bringing it back into my life yeah. and then using his son. So. Yeah. So when you were growing up, what? how did you identify? Did you identify as, like your family as Chinese American? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I. It's so weird because I didn't have any Korean friends. So I couldn't really say, well, I'm Korean. You know, I always just thought I'm Chinese, but I'm... Sometimes I thought I was white, too, because all of my friends were white. My family is very mixed. So my aunts are white. My uncles are mm. white because uh, they all married. They all grew up in, in Brooklyn. Right. So it was weird because I had a lot of Italian aunts and uncles and some Jewish. And then my family was also Chinese. So I was like, I'm one of these. I don't know. <laughs> and then we had those Chinese banquets where you get together for weddings and you're eating all the Chinese food. So that's when I felt more Chinese. And it just, I guess it mattered where I was, mm-hmm. you know? So there were certain times I felt Chinese, certain times mm-hmm. I felt white, but never really Korean because mm-hmm. I had no Korean in me, mm-hmm. you know, around me, I guess. So not until I got to high school mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of Korean people. <laughs> and did you, I mean, do you think that that was to your benefit that you were able to identify as another Asian group as yes. opposed to, like, did you ever have, you know, a lot of adoptees who are adopted by white families, want yeah. to be white, wish they were white, think yeah. they're white. Did you ever have any of that? No. And I never knew a lot of Korean adoptees, mm-hmm. so I just read about, I read about their stories, or, you know, it's just sometimes walking, I'll see them with their white uh, mothers, and I'm like, yo, that that that's challenging, mm-hmm. you know, because I could have only imagine if my mom wasn't Asian, and people right. just stare at you, they're trying to figure you out. I never had that problem. I'm, some of my f- white friends would be like, oh, you look like your mom. And I'm like, I don't, but they just <laughs> yeah. think all Asians We don't like, all look alike, right? but yeah. So I never had that issue. No one would ever question my relationship with my mother. Right. And I think that's the hardest thing is that people questioning mm-hmm. your mother, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I know she's white, but she's my mom and you have to explain it. So I never had to you know, do that unless I told somebody I was adopted. So mm-hmm. I think that would have been a, a really big challenge and very hard to deal with at times. Mm-hmm. So I found this quote, my biggest struggle growing up was with my identity and mm-hmm. it all correlated with being stereotyped and not knowing where I belonged because I was adopted. Right, right. Can you talk more on that? You know, growing up and having a very good childhood because of my parents took great care of me, had a great neighborhood, you're kind of like naive to what your 
real, what's really going on inside. So when I got into high school, this is when like an influx of Korean people like mm. just entered. I'm like, oh where'd you God. go to high school? A uh, Tottenville High School. I don't know if you ever heard is of that it. In it's Staten in Staten Island. Island. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know anything about Staten Island. Sorry, <laughs> I, I hear that a lot. So. Um, but it's like, where were these Korean people hiding? Because growing up, I never saw them. But in high school, there were so many. Interesting. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm Korean and they're Korean. But I felt so different because mm-hmm. I never had that connection. I never really met any Koreans. Um, so that was like the beginning of my journey or of not knowing who I was. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I felt like I was stereotyped even by Korean people because once they found out that I wasn't Korean like them mm-hmm. and that I was adopted and I couldn't speak the language, I didn't even know what kimchi was at the time. I didn't know anything. Yeah. So they would talk about me in Korean. They would say stuff. And it really made me question my identity and who I was. And I started going downhill. And my mom noticed it. She's like, what? Are you all right, Cindy? Like, what's going on? And um, that's when I just started getting into music and just writing things and what I was going through. Yeah. And it affected me a lot. I took a, all the things that I felt confident in growing up. felt like I didn't have that anymore because I started questioning the basic things that I didn't care about mm. when I was younger. But now all of a sudden, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why I was here. Like, what's the point? You know, mm-hmm. and it went from like, oh, super happy to like super confused. And, you know, my mom, as loving as she is, there's nothing she could do because she can't answer those questions for me. So I was something that I had to just figure out for myself and mm-hmm. music really helped me do that. Mm. Mm. And so why hip hop music? I know that's so weird. <laughs> I was always in poetry, into poetry. Mm-hmm. I used to write stories when I was 13 years mm-hmm. old. And then, um, so I got really into like, you know, guys. I love, you know, so a lot of uh, rappers I thought were really cute. So at the time, Will Smith, for some reason, I thought was really cute. I don't, he was like the corniest rapper, you know, but I also liked Warren G. I don't know if you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really into them just because I thought they were good looking. Mm-hmm. And then I started listening to their music. And because it was, it was poetry, mm-hmm. I would memorize their music and I would just rap it on a karaoke machine, just playing around. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I really enjoyed it. So I said, you know, let me, let me try and write some stuff. And then I realized that I could write about my experiences and what I go through doing this you know and as corny as it sounded for me at the time it was really helping me and then I, I just took it more seriously and I kept going and then I let my friends hear it and they were like you know Cindy you don't sound half bad and I was like <laughs> all right I'm gonna do something about this and it, it's like a snowball effect it just kept kind of going you know hmm. so, what did your parents think about that yeah they didn't like it you know? <laughs> I remember in uh 1994 because that's when Warren G had his uh, album out and um, so many curse words in it. Right. And my mom had her red minivan. And um, I was just cursing in the passenger seat. <laughs> I was 11 years old. And she oh just boy. took the thing out. She's like, what are, I don't even, I don't even know how I got it. Like she bought it for me. I don't know how I had it. But um, yeah, she's like, yeah, we're not gonna play that anymore. But um, that was how I got so into it. But my mom, you know, she never thought like, oh, so you're gonna be a rapper now, Cindy? She just thought I was being stupid. But, mm-hmm. That's really the start of my journey as, a, as an artist. And I had no idea that it was going to spiral into something bigger. And I know my mom didn't know it either. But yeah, she wasn't a huge hip hop fan. And then when did it start to become serious? You know, when did you decide this is actually what I want to do for? Probably like my senior year in high school. I was giving out demo tapes to my Korean friends in high school. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's cool, Cindy. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. They didn't, again, nobody thought anything of it. And then when a freshman year in college, my now husband, Tim, I actually was dating him back then as well. And I told him about it. And he just as supportive as he is now, he was back then. And he was like, let me, let me help you, you know? So I forgot the website. 
something about like beats.com I don't know and you could find instrumentals and Mm -hmm. you could rap over them and I would practice on the computer and my husband's a huge basketball uh, player so he was playing basketball with this random guy and his cousin owned like a Christian label and Mm -hmm. which is I know what are the chances of that Mm -hmm. so he told him about me we got his number and then I just started talking to him in my dorm room in college and I met him I don't know maybe a week later did like an open mic in Jamaica Queens which you don't see any Asian people there ever nope. um, I had a do rag on and especially a woman yeah female Asian with, with, with a do rag I, yeah. I don't know why I had a do rag on and okay I want I, a picture of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had my Timberlands on I didn't care what anybody thought and I just rapped at an open mic in Jamaica Queens and that was I, probably my first time I rapped in front of people and um what was care. that like? Do you remember? I loved it. It was so liberating to me. Yeah. I, I probably sucked, but um, surprisingly, nobody threw anything at me. Um, but I, I survived, and I just kept going with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that? Do you think that's part of the attraction to being a performer, that feeling that you get when you're on stage? Yeah, like you feel like that... liberated. Like, yeah, I love it. You know, it's at that point when people, can, all they can do is listen to you. Mm-hmm. Everything that I'm going through, a lot of times, I felt like nobody heard me. Nobody understood me, and I felt so frustrated because I have all of these things that I'm going through, and I just want people to know what it feels like. And a lot of people be like, oh, Cindy, stop it, or, you know, who cares? But when you're on stage and you're taking command and you have the mic in your hand, people look, they just automatically look up to you. You can be a nobody, but if you're on that stage, they're going to listen. And that's when I had the chance to just tell my story. And you get so many people who come up to you and say, oh my God, I feel like that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I go through that. Thank you so much for being brave enough to share your story. And when you hear things like that, it makes you want to keep going on stage. Your song, I'm With You, yeah. is all about dealing with anxiety, right? right? And you know, yeah. I know you've dealt with some anxiety yourself. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, you kind of just touched on this, but why was yeah. it important for you to make that song in particular? So I, I don't really know where my anxiety stems from. I went to a therapist about it, and he, he's like, we can backtrack and figure out why you have anxiety, but that might give you more anxiety, mm-hmm. trying to figure out why you have anxiety. So let's just deal with the fact that you have it. And um, it was just anxiety attacks I would get, you know, just driving sometimes, being stuck in traffic. I feel very, like, like I can't escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I've met so many people, again, who deal with this, you know, and they don't talk about it because mm-hmm. they think that there's something wrong with them. But so many people have this issue. So I wanted to write a song on it. And again, it's a liberating experience because when you let people know what you go through, people telling you that they go through it too mm-hmm. makes you feel so much better. A lot of times you feel better just knowing you're not alone, just yeah. knowing that other people have this issue totally. and it's okay. Totally. You know, so when I, when I share that, it was very important for me to let people know that I have this problem, but other people have it too, and it's okay, and we could come together. And yeah, I think it has a lot to do with my adoption, not knowing why I'm here, mm-hmm. where I come from, mm-hmm. and um, it's really like control. I don't have control of things, and I get anxious. Yeah. So I think because I don't have control over my life sometimes, because mm-hmm. I don't know where I came from, I'm just trying to be deep right now, but I think no, that's why, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, I have the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you've had, so like, I totally you get know, it. Okay. So I just encourage people to just speak out on it and it could really help them and let other people know that we're, we relate. Right. Or, you you're, know, not you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Did you consciously think like, I'm going to be a Christian rapper? Yeah. Or is that just what other people have labeled you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I when I started rapping, I wanted to rap about my own experiences, what I go through. I 
couldn't picture myself rapping half naked and talking about, you know, sexing up a guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I partied and stuff, but that just wasn't me. That's mm-hmm. not my character. So I just wrote about things that I was going through. And um, at that time, I was in and out of church, but I always believed in God and I felt like he was always helping me in some way. I was just struggling. So my songs would be sometimes yelling at God, like, God, where are you? Like, Mm -hmm. why am I alone? But I always had him in there. And I said to myself, if I'm going to be an artist, I have to be real. Mm -hmm. And that's always just what came out. It wasn't something that I would write about just so I could make money or become famous. It was just, I just wanted to be me. And I just wanted people to be attracted to that. So that's kind of how it just happened. You know? So do you mind the label or do you like the I label? I mean, I don't I don't mind it, but I feel like it limits me. Mm-hmm. Like I want to just be known as an artist or right. even a rapper, but you know, you're going to people who aren't Christian are going to say, "Hey, she's that Christian rapper mm-hmm. because it's weird. It's, no, it's different for them." And I understand. I get it. I'm not going to stop somebody, but I also feel like, you know, if you hear Christian, they're like, "She have her own right, she's right. religious, right. you know." But people can just say rapper, that's great. It's not me being ashamed of my religion mm-hmm. or what I believe mm-hmm. in. It's just me having more opportunities to do certain things right. without having that label. So, right, yeah. right. So, I know you were on Show Me the Money in yes. Korea. Yes. How, what was that? It was your first time back to Korea. Yeah, that right? was, that was, yeah, unexpected, yeah. So how did that come about? I've been rapping for a while and, you know, the Korean community, like Korean hip hop, K-pop is just so big. Things so taking over the world. I don't, I'm just, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I need to get in there, you know? So I, I've been doing more Korean shows or Asian shows. And then I have a lot of connect, more connections now. And my manager and even my husband, because he like investigates these things, he was telling me about show me the money and there's unpretty rap star mm-hmm. in Korea. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, should I try it? You know, I haven't gone down this lane before. It was just like, let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. So I just did like a little audition on Instagram and it, and it like blew up, you know, everyone's like, get her on the show. And then so the producers of the show actually called my manager and they're like, yeah, we need to interview Isan. She has an interesting story. And uh, they came to my house. They, I'm like, is this happening? Like just last week, I was thinking about doing it, and now they're in my house. And um, it just, again, a snowball effect. It just made me, okay, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. So the audition was here in Brooklyn. I don't, I don't remember where in Brooklyn, but um, I passed that. Once you pass that, you get flown to Korea for the second round. Pass the second round. And then the third round, um, I got like really nervous. And then I didn't pass the third round. But, um, <laughs> It was a great, it was great. You know, I, it happened all within a month. Wow. And I went like years of thinking, should I ever go back to Korea and try and find my parents? Like, and then within one month I was there. It's like, it went from, I just didn't have time to absorb it all. And I was like, wow, I'm doing all this for the sake of my, my career. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, Cindy, but your personal life, are you ready? You know? And I, I still didn't get to absorb it all, you yeah. know, because I was really just there for the show. Mm. I didn't stay and try and find my parents mm-hmm. or just embrace the culture. I just did the show and then I left. And you also brought your entire family with you. Yeah. So you're on mommy duty, you're yeah. trying to be on this show, you're yeah. going back to Korea for the first time. Yeah. That's a lot. It was, it was lot. very hard. But did you have any, you know, like when you were on the plane or when you, what was it like when you landed? Like, were, were there any emotions that you remember? Yeah, I, I, I remember when I was, I, I got off the plane and I was in the airport and we were in the airport for a while because we were waiting to get picked up. And my friend lives in Korea now. She's my college friend. She, I think, cockhowed me and she's like, you're in Korea. She's like, well, kind of. You're still in the airport, but you're in Korea. Because she wanted me to know, she wanted to know how it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I didn't leave the airport yet. But just the fact that I'm like, I am in Seoul, Korea right now in the airport. I never thought in a million years I would be here. I went to order a coffee or something. And, you know, money is different. I had my husband do it because I didn't know if they understood English. But, 
It was so surreal to me. Then my daughter spilled a drink on the floor and I had a, I was like, oh my gosh. So a lot of things were still going on, but we left the airport. It was dark, so I couldn't really see anything. Mm -hmm. But even driving on the road, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, like driving, I couldn't mm -hmm. believe it. Then the whole bus was rapping. I, I was like, <laughs> okay, you guys are ruining the moment. Because they were practicing for the yeah. show, all the rappers. Oh, wow. But yeah, it was, it was great. It was just very fast. So mm -hmm. I couldn't really sit there and embrace it. And then with my kids, you know, it was it was hard, but I as many times as I could look out the window, I tried. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. I definitely want to go back and just go for personal and right. not anything with music. Right, right. Yeah, I remember the first time I went, I was really young, and so it was just like a trip. You know, it was right. like a vacation yeah, with my yeah. mom, my American mom here. And but yeah. then the second time I went, I was going back to meet my birth family. And when the plane landed, I just lost it. Like totally started bawling. It was just this whole like that was the real feeling of yeah. homecoming. So different from the first trip. Yeah, so see, yeah, I you knew gotta I go was, back. If I knew I was landing to see my birth mother, yeah, I yeah. think I'd be going through that too. Yeah. I did think in my head, I was like, my mom is here somewhere, you know, I could bump into her. You know, I have no idea. I was thinking that even walking down the street, um, you know, not like like stalkerish like is that yeah. Yeah. But you know, you're thinking that you're like my Brother, you know, you have no idea. Yeah. But I'm just there now. You just, yeah. but I might as well be in America because what are the chances that I'm gonna just bump into my birth mother and hug her? You know. But you know, I was actually kind of surprised that Show Me the Money didn't do more with that part of your story. I know they yeah. they did kind of try and push the narrative a little bit, they right? Did, yeah. But I almost thought because Korea and Korean TV is so sensational, oh, I thought that they would maybe try to find them for you because you know yeah. they have that show where they do that, yes. right? I yeah. can't even remember what it's called now. Yeah. I thought maybe Show Me the Money would do that. You know what? I really think if I went, I was further, actually nervous. I was like, oh God, I hope they don't do that to her. Uh, I think if I went further. It they might happen. have. Yeah, yeah. they probably like, they well, probably she would. lost. So, you know, it, and it wasn't, it was me. I just forgot my lines. It was hard. I, I, I'm i trying to make myself feel better. So I keep saying it was the pressure. Whole show's in Korean. I didn't understand yeah. any of it. No, I keep telling myself that. But at the end of the day, I messed up my lyrics and it is what it is. But I think if I went further, they would have pushed the story even more. So. Yeah, but I, I don't know if that's how you would want to do it. My friend was telling me, he was like, do you really want to find your parents this way? They you know? would make you like meet her on camera for the first time, <laughs> right. you know, it would just be. You're right, it's not, so yeah, it's probably you're right. better. It's probably you're better. Right. Yeah. It'll happen the way it's supposed to. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know you met my friend Rex Dizzy out there. Yeah, oh my Shout God. Shout out to Rex. Oh my God. That guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we have mutual friends and I never met him until we were in Korea. That's so yeah. funny. We took the cab together with this girl and she didn't speak much English and she was listening to like these ballads. And Rex Dizzy's like, yo, put this on. It was like this heavy <laughs> hip hop, like Kendrick Lamar, and it was like blasting in the speakers, and she's probably like, what are we listening to? I'm like, oh my gosh, Rex, what are you doing to her? It's hilarious. He's great. Yeah. We miss him. Let's talk a little bit about your family. So you have mm -hmm. two young daughters. Yes. Right? They're yeah. five and? Five and one. Actually, January, they'll be six and two, so. Oh, both in January? Yeah. Oh, I wow. Yeah, I didn't plan that at all. So <laughs> yeah. Um, what was that like when you became a mom? I'm sure you know, we all feel the same way. When I was pregnant, um, everyone was telling me, life's going to change. It's going to be so different. I got this. <laughs> and then as soon as Kayla, my first one, was born, I was like, oh, my gosh, why did I do this? Why am I a mother? I have no life anymore. I can't even go out to CVS, you know, like <laughs> within a month I got on a routine and I loved it afterwards. You know, I never thought I'd be that mommy, mm -hmm. you know, but it completely took over my life to the point where I put music aside and people started questioning like, Cindy, are you even a rapper anymore? Mm -hmm. Like all you do is mother stuff. And I was like, you know. Imagine that. Yeah, like, right. You just like, had a baby. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, it definitely just completely, I mean, it doesn't, for most mothers, you know, it completely changes our lives. There are certain days where I do think if I wanted a third one, but when you're stressed with two mm. and you think of that third one there, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm good with two. Yeah, I can't do it. No pressure to try for the boy, yeah, Tim. I, <laughs> I know. I, want, I actually want a boy. It's yeah. just with our luck, we'll have three girls. And, uh, so, yeah. Imagine that. I know. My sister did that, one of my sisters. She's got three girls because they wanted that boy. See? And... So after that, she stopped, right? <laughs> I know, after that, <laughs> but what was the experience like becoming a mom in terms of being an adoptee? Did you have any yeah. anything around that? Yeah. I look at my adoptive mom too because, you know, she was never pregnant. Mm -hmm. So like I see my friends and they say, oh yeah, what my mom says when she was pregnant with me, right. you know, and I'm, I'm always sitting there and I'm like, you know, I don't have those stories to share with my mom. So when I'm pregnant, and I was telling my mom, oh my gosh, I'm so nauseous. I'm throwing up so much. And she can't really give me advice on it, you know, but it's nothing, you know, it just, it's just so awkward, mm -hmm. you know. But um, once I had the, the, the baby, my, the, the baby, my baby, and I'm thinking to myself, how would I feel if these weren't like my kids? It's different. Like, I think I love them even more because they're, mm -hmm. they're mine, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what it feels like to adopt a child and know that you didn't give birth to, mm -hmm. you know, but they're still your daughter now, but I never asked my mom that. I don't think I ever will. You know, I just said I I cherish and give them even more, obviously, because I gave birth to them. You know, I don't know how it feels like if I adopted a child from another country and now she's my daughter, mm -hmm. I would still love her, but it makes you think like it's a little it's different. It's different, yeah. You know, yeah, so not, nothing against adoptive kids, clearly, because I'm adopted and I'm adoptive, but it's totally different when you have mm -hmm. your own child. Like mm -hmm. you just, you look at her, and I have a poem in my um, my latest album on this that I finally like have a bloodline. Right. Like I could see right. myself in someone else, and right. I never had that. I didn't have that in the beginning because she looked exactly like my husband. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, nothing's going right. And, um, now my oldest looks exactly like me. My youngest again looks like Tim, but mm -hmm. I can see her. Mm -hmm. I can see me in her, yeah. and it's yeah. uh, it's an amazing feeling because I never had that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Even um, when I had my kids when they brought them over to me because I had a c-section the first thing oh, yeah. I said was they look like me oh, I mean it was right? like the first you know exactly and you know I had already met my birth family by that time but just that yeah. this sort of untethered biological connection is right. different than exactly. even even though yeah. I know my Korean family right, there's right. still this thing that yeah makes it just yeah like really indescribable I know you know yeah, yeah. I, that's the best I could describe it it's yeah just something I just kept feeling. I'm like, this is this is amazing, you know? And I think yeah. that's what made me just fall in love with being a mother even more because I never pictured myself being a mom. I don't know. You know oh, you really? Grow, you're, you're partying so much and you're dating. And I'm not, I'm nothing about kids, but you know, once I obviously had my daughters, I didn't realize how much I would love mm. being a mother, mm. you know? And I think a lot of it has to do with me being adopted mm. because I just want to love them even... My, my husband says I'm a control freak, so <laughs> I'm always on my kids. My think, husband can relate to that. <laughs> so maybe I'm like that because of my adoption, you know, I, I give them even more. I don't know. Mm. But what mother can say that they don't, you know? A lot yeah. of mothers want to give more to their kids, you know? So yeah. I guess yeah. I'm no different. I don't know. Yeah, yeah the mother... Yeah, anyway, I could talk about that for yeah. a long time. Um, but so what are you working on now? So now I do like these mommy rapper vlogs. Mm -hmm. I started doing this YouTube thing. I don't know anything about editing and vlogs. And <laughs> I just see that it's another huge... Uh, uh -huh. I said, let me just try it. I, I used to do these little videos on Instagram about 
me and my kids and mm-hmm. they were funny. I used to get a lot of good feedback. So mm-hmm. I said, let me do these videos now on it. So now it's a, I'm known as like the mommy rapper because you don't see a lot of females rapping mm-hmm. and have kids mm-hmm. and are um, really successful. I mean, I'm not even really successful. It's like, I'm talking about like Nicki Minaj types mm-hmm. of successful where you can hold down a family, kids, and have a successful career and travel. It's very hard, you know, so. Well, um, they have a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> not, that I, not to take anything no, away from them, right, but though. yes, they have they a lot do. of help. Yeah. So I, I just want to kind of showcase my story to people and let people know that even when I'm on stage doing music, I have my kids behind stage with me and they're crying or they're pooping mm-hmm. or they're doing something, you know, silly. And so many mothers can relate to that, even mm-hmm. if you're not an artist, mm-hmm. you know, like working mothers. It's just hard being a mother. So I wanted to put that on screen and make it kind of funny. And on top of that, I want to put another album out. So I'm going to start writing soon, mm-hmm. getting in the studio. Mm-hmm. But you're independent now? I am. And it has its perks mm-hmm. and it's uh, it has its uh, challenges as well. But you have artistic freedom. Mm-hmm. You could just write, not whatever you want, but, you know, I still have a team that kind of edits me. But at the same time, it's, it's good. You know, you could just do what you want to do. Is there anything about you that you would change? I think, I don't want to sound all deep, but it's, it's something like internal, internal things. I feel like I, I think too much, my anxiety, you know, I feel like I, I'm too hard on myself. You know, I don't know if that answers your question, but as much as I, I want to change, I think at the same time, I feel like that's what makes me an artist mm. because artists, I feel are so complicated mm-hmm. and they just do too much, you know, mm-hmm. but it also makes me who I am. But sometimes like, again, bringing up my husband, we're night and day in this area, but I feel like he's so much more like stress free and he's, um, He's just happier sometimes. And I, I, I just wish I could be more like him and not care so much about things or let things worry or bother me so mm-hmm. much, you know? How do you deal, just even like mechanically speaking, what do you have, what do you do when you're feeling this anxiety or? Yeah, because, well, because I was going to therapy, um, it's really just talking to yourself. I don't take any pills or anything. It's just, you know, there's times when I feel very anxious. I just say, Cindy, you have an anxiety attack, just have one. It's not gonna kill you. Let it pass. And when I think like that, I don't, I don't get the anxiety. So I always try and encourage people. Mm. When you feel anxious, just feel, feel it. it. Right. Yeah. You know, right. like don't fight it because then you're gonna get more anxious. So right. it helps me a lot. You yeah. know, when I'm by myself, because you know I can't really the people around me who I'm really close to. It's very hard to talk to them about it because they don't understand. So a lot of times I just have me to mm-hmm. talk to me about it. So. Mm-hmm. But no, you know, <laughs> actual tools like meditation or anything well, like I'm that praying. type of thing that you try praying. Yeah, I pray. yeah, and I have a lot of Bible verses. I'm very close with my pastor, so she actually texts me Bible verses. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, all on, you know, God is with you. Don't fear for anything. So a lot of times when I'm anxious, I do think of these verses in my head. They do help. And um, sometimes I just talk, you know, it's just self-meditation. I just talk yeah. to myself, that's it. Yeah. And I and sometimes I can't, and I do get the anxiety attack, and yeah. then I call Tim, and then I bug him when he's at work, and then he gets anxiety, and then <laughs> we're all anxious, so, yeah. No, but I totally agree with you. It's so much of, so much of that stuff is about being <laughs> kind to yourself. Right. It's like about, I actually was interviewed for a podcast like two days ago, and they asked me, what's some advice you would give? And I said, you know, be kind to your fear. Like, mm. be like, you know what? Okay, fear. I feel you. I know you're here. Right. I want you to be right here next to me. Right. But like, I'm still going to do this thing. You right, know? right. And that's, I mean, great advice. And it's hard for me to take myself. Yeah, but uh, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. same thing with your anxiety. It's like, right. okay, accept it, embrace it. Exactly. And then just be like, but we're still going to do this. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. it's not yeah. as intimidating anymore. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. exactly how you should do it. So what's something you would not change? 
I mean, generally, I, I mean, I, I'm very, I feel very blessed. I feel uh, my whole situation, having my husband, my two daughters, my career, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that as much as it gives me the stress, you know, trying to make it as an artist. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way. I can't picture myself. A lot of my friends, they're not in the arts. You know, they do the regular nine to five. And sometimes I do look at them and I'm like, look so much easier doing easier, that. right? Yeah. But I can't picture myself doing mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I, I have to embrace and love the fact that I'm doing something that I love, even though I'm not coming home with thousands of dollars, you know, sometimes even hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just not making any money, but I'm sticking to what I love. And that's really the most important thing, mm-hmm. being proud of, you know, what God has placed in me and being able to help other people. Even at times you're not gonna make the money that you wanna make. Mm-hmm. You're you're doing something that you love and it's feeding your soul. I wanna teach that to my kids too and it's helping them to see right. that they can be different, that mm-hmm. they don't have to stick to the norm. Yeah. They don't have to stick to what the teachers are gonna tell them that they need to be, you know? So that I feel like I wouldn't change and I'm so uh, grateful, I guess, as conceited as this sounds to myself, that I followed my path as many people who told me not to do it. Mm. I did it, you know, and it's been so many years now and I'm still sticking to it. And I think that's what a lot of people say, you know, they really like about me is that I'm a mother, but I'm still sticking to what I love to do and I'm not stopping. So. That didn't sound conceited at It did all. when I said it. No, like no, I don't know. Didn't, okay. didn't. So what's the strongest part of your identity? Yes. Mommy, rapper, um, adoptee, you know? No, it's like a... Mother or definitely not adoptee. I don't. I feel like I need to embrace that a little bit more. It's, mm. When I think of an adoptee, I'm not. It, it's more of a not a down point in my life. I, I feel like it's a challenge in my life. Like it's an issue. Like mm-hmm. I'm not strong and confident in it. I'm mm-hmm. more like, oh, I'm, I'm adopted. I don't know who my parents are. Mm-hmm. Like I get down when I hear mm-hmm. it. Instead of it raising me up, right. I'm more like, that's a question mark in my life. Mm-hmm. But me being a mother, I'm like, yeah, I'm a mother. I got this, you know. No one's gonna mess with my mm-hmm. kids, you know. And then as a rapper, I'm like, yeah, see me on stage, you know. That's where I'm confident in everything. So I don't know, it's either mother or a rapper. I don't, I don't know which one. I would say more mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you raising your girls? Like, is there any Korean influence? I tell Kayla all the time, like, you're Korean. <laughs> and and then she, but she's like, but Chinese too. I'm, not, I'm like, okay, well, you're, yeah, you're Korean both. Chinese. <laughs> And so I'm trying to teach, well, Jocelyn is one, so she can't even really say mm-hmm. English words, but um, <laughs> I want her to start saying like, Unni, mm-hmm. you know? So uh-huh. I'll be like, oh, look at Unni. Yeah. And then Kayla's like, that's not my name. My name's <laughs> Kayla. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> all right, this is too much work. <laughs> but when they get older, I want to, you know, my husband speaks Korean. So I wanted him just to give them a little, you know, little words. Are you fluent? Tim is off camera, everyone. Are you fluent? No. But he knows the basics, yeah. you know? And compared to us, he's, he is. <laughs> right, exactly. He got me around Korea. Yeah. Um, and his mom, you know, she speaks very good English, but she's, you know, and his sister. So whenever we see them, I want them to embrace their Korean. So now Kayla knows she's Korean, mm-hmm. but um, she doesn't really know the whole adoption and, and a little Chinese. And, and she doesn't understand it all, but I definitely want So she to. doesn't know you're adopted? No. Oh. Yeah. When I was, like, rebelling and I was angry... I used to say to myself, when I have kids, I'm not teaching them Korean. I don't even know if I want to marry a Korean guy. I don't want anything about Korean. Like, I was so mad. And then I said to myself years later, like, how stupid are you? You know, you're supposed to be giving your kids what you don't have. You would want your kids to not have identity issues. So give them what you didn't have, Cindy. And that's why I think I do it over a board now. Mm. I'm like, Kayla, you're Korean. Like, we'll be eating dinner. You're Korean, you know that, right? (laughs) I I just say it just so she remembers, you know? Yeah. But the adoption part, like, I thought of it in this way, too. My adoption affects my kids as well because... 
like your birth mother is their grandmother. I know. Right? So it's part of their story too. Just, you know what? I think it's just me being like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't even know if she knows what adopt. I mean, I could explain adoption mm -hmm. to her, but then my, you know, five-year-olds now, they're going to ask a million questions and I just don't know how to answer mm -hmm. them. And I don't know if it would just make me angry and me start thinking about mm -hmm. my adoption. I feel like sometimes I don't want to talk about it because it just gets me sad. And then, sure. But I, I will definitely tell her. I just didn't know if she yeah. was like mature enough to understand it. Yeah. Because if I say, you know, I have another grandmother. I, I have another mother, but she lives in Korea. You remember you were in Korea, Kayla? And she'd be like, you mean grandma who comes over every day or daddy's mommy? And I'll be like, no, you have another one. And it would just yeah. be so confusing. Yeah. I think though that sometimes kids' brains are actually more expansive than adults and they're more accepting. Yeah, they may have a lot of questions because they want to understand it, right. but they have no preconceived notions really up to a certain point. Right. And so us adults, we have a ton of preconceived notions. Right. And so, you know, if I say my kids have five grandmothers, the adults are like, how? But all these grandmothers, they're like, yeah, I've got Fairport grandma, I've got Korean grandma, I've got, you know, dad's, oh. papa's dad, uh, wife's grandma, like, you know, like, right. they, to them it's fine. I would encourage it, no, but that's you're, just me. You know, <laughs> I, you know, you're all right. I am going to definitely think about that. Yeah. I, I I do think about it. I do think about the fact that she doesn't know that I do have another side. Like, do I? Does she have another grandmother? I don't even know. Like, is she alive? Uh, I have no idea. But here I am, sounding bitter. So. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound bitter no. at all. I don't know. I feel like I was so angry with a lot of my adoption. I used to go to these adoption adoptee meetings when I was in college in NYU, mm. and I met an adoptee, and she would say to me, "How do you hate someone you don't know?" like my birth mother. And I would say to her, I was like, well, how do you like someone you don't know? Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, mm -hmm. why am I so angry? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't understand. I think I was more like, well, you gave me up and you didn't even yeah. care. But other people were like, well, they gave you up because they did care. I have to say though, and then we can wrap up, but the, mm -hmm. the angry adoptee thing, you know, a lot of people just completely dismiss what they call angry adoptees. Mm. And that actually makes me angry because right. we have every right to be angry. Right. Like we were separated from our family, right, right, right. our first family. Yeah. That's not normal, that's traumatic. Yeah. So like to me, I'm always like, everybody has the right to be angry who's been through trauma. Right. Then we wanna work through it and yeah. kind of get to this place. But there's a whole, like a lot of adoptive parents they don't want to listen to anyone who they think is an angry adoptee when really they could probably learn a lot from right, them. You right, know what right. I mean? So it's this like dismissed, you know, negative connotation towards angry adoptees. Right, but right. I want to erase that like stereotype because you're right. I guess it is okay to be angry. It's just, you know, when you say like work through it, it's kind of hard to work through it when you don't like have the answers, you know, yeah. but it's just, I guess, accepting that you may not have the answers, but you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I am living my life, you know, it's just, that's why when I, you say like being adopted, is that a confident thing for you? Or I guess it's, it's still not because I'm, I'm not really dealing with it, you know, the way that I should yet. Well, so. I'm going to bring you into the tribe. I know. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this yeah. is just the beginning. Right. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you for having Do me. Do a cheers yes. with your tea. Thank and you. And best of luck with everything else. Thank you. This episode of Not Your Average was produced by Julie Young and edited by AJ Valente. Thanks to Kimberly Young's son for allowing us to use her artwork for our logo. Follow her on Instagram at Kimberly Young's son and visit her website, KimberlyYoungsun.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you have any suggestions or thoughts about the podcast, please write a review on iTunes and rate us as well. Feel free to message us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and visit our website, KoreanAmericanStory.org. Now Your Average is part of KoreanAmericanStory.org, dedicated to capture, create, preserve, 
and share the stories of the Korean American experience. Thanks for listening.